Hi, everyone. This is Jack, co-host of the Summer Reading Podcast, coming at you live, not live, but not dead either, far in the future, before we even start to tell you that we like to swear. It's an explicit podcast. It's not crazy, uh, but we do say bad words, you know, like fooey, and we call each other cur a lot, like almost nonstop, and uh, what have you. We're good for a good what have you here uh, here and there. So just so you know, if you want to protect your, your delicate paper ears from uh, our, our cutting remarks, um, just be aware of that. So uh, sit back or, I don't know, go for a jog, whatever you do when you listen to podcasts. I'm not your dad. I could be. We don't know. Pretty sure I'm not. Send me a letter. Coming up on the Summer Reading Podcast. You know what? I'm You're good. 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 Spent, spent, spent a time with my good, good friend, Marty. Yeah. Um, flexing the fact that I'm literate. Um, Hell yeah. I don't think comes across. Um, the summer reading podcast this is the podcast where a professor and a librarian and a librarian and a professor read and review all of the books you were assigned in english class i am your professor my name is jack my pronouns are he him oh yeah and i am your librarian my name is marty and my pronouns are she her and today we are continuing with our unit on theater with none other than lorraine hansberry's play a raisin in the sun but before we get into that, uh, Marty, uh, we've been talking to each other for about two and a half hours straight. How yeah, are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> as you can see, I'm like moving my body a lot. Um, as you can see, listeners, actually, yes. nobody can see it except for Jack. And Mar- the... Marty's at a weird temperature. I am. Listeners. I'm at a really weird temperature, guys. It's, it's manifesting I can't, in different ways. I feel like I still need sleeves, but I can't actually handle having them on my body. So I'm in a tank top, but I feel like I'm not... I'm not equated. Um, that's not the right word. Wow. <laughs> Those are my emotional support sleeves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. Um, I'm at a weird body temperature, but otherwise I am digging being in the basement layer. I think this is the correct setup to use. Um, it feels right. It feels right. Um, it feels right. I went upstairs on our little break. And everyone else in my house is asleep. So that's kind of cool to be the only one awake. <laughs> um. I, 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 I have to say, this is the second time I'm hearing this information. I don't feel like I came across as supportive the first time. <laughs> Please support me. I, I want to say, say publicly, that's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, I, think I, I, just... don't, I don't even care how insincere I sound. You know, you know my truth. <laughs> I know your truth. It's true. It's just like my voice just does that. <laughs> my voice just does that. My face just looks that way sometimes. My face just looks it. I think yeah. I figured out what my temperature problem is, and it's my leggings. So there's nothing I can do about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> you can roll them up. I can roll them up. I think I'll do that. I mean, you know me. I wear jeans like Tom fucking it's Sawyer. It's true. Actually, you know what? I should just take a, a page from Jack's book. and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it. 
Um, you know, they've they've called me uh, they've called me a trendsetter nuncer twice. <laughs> nuncer twice. Ah. Um. Anyway, Jack, how are you? Now that I've solved um, my temperature problem. I'm also uh, experiencing temperature. <laughs> um, it's it it's the time of night where it feels like it should be getting colder. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. Um. Just the sort of high octane conversation we like to have here at the <laughs> submarine podcast. Submarining podcast. <laughs> I think it's also evidence of like friends who are getting older. <laughs> My hip hurts. It's too hot. I'm too cold now. <laughs> Sorry, hang on. I have to adjust my seating. And we were we were so excited to tell each other we were gonna go pee at the same it's time. It's true, yeah. We were at peas in a pod. So I'm I'm good. You know what? I'm You're good. 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 Spent spent time with my good good friend Marty. Yeah. Um, flexing the fact that I'm literate. Um, Hell yeah. I don't think comes across. <laughs> um, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I would disagree with that, but yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, you know mm-hmm. your word against mine. Mm-hmm. And um And yeah. I know the cops. <laughs> oh this is gonna be a good one. I can feel it. Yeah. I can feel it in my bones. It's gonna be a good episode. My bones. My bones. So, um, okay. A raisin in the sun by Lorraine Hansberry. I am confident that I did not have the actor's curse for this play. Same, yeah. Because yeah, I'm like these are roles for black actors. Yeah, I could play. You could play the man, the man from Clybourne Park. Yep, but who um, wants to play that guy? Well, who wants? Who's <laughs> like you know? I believe John Stamos played him. In, oh in the really? And the movie. It's it's because it's I literally I had not seen him outside of Full House, and then he's just in fucking a raisin in the sun. Holy shit, that's crazy! I'm like, like, aren't you supposed to be in a Greek yogurt somewhere? That's so funny. (laughs) Um, Lindner, Mr. Lindner. Yeah, Mr. Lindner. One of my professors in college played Mr. Lindner, Um, and I went to I went to see the production, and I was there with. A different professor from well okay so I took the cl- the class that I took with the Lindner professor was at a different university but we had a consortium so we could take classes there so I went with one of my alma mater's professors from Mount Holyoke and she was like oh so so who's he playing and I was like oh well he's he's the white guy <laughs> she's like oh okay it's not it's not a great like nobody like reads this play and is like yeah i want to play him if if you if you play lindner you say oh i was in a raisin in the sun you don't say oh i played mr lindner exactly yeah 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 um so uh, a raisin of the sun uh let's let's dig in let's do it let's dig in okay so published uh 1959 mm-hmm um, so I say that because I, for some reason, I'm least confident about the year. Um, whenever I say the year. That's so, so it's not, funny. It's not exclusive to this. Written by Lorraine Hansberry. Uh, born 1930, passed away in 1965. She was 35 oh, when she passed away. God, that's terrible. Um, pancreatic cancer. Oh, um, fuck. 
which just just sucks. Yeah. It just sucks. Ugh. Um I'm not even gonna say it sucks. She was such a talent. She was such no, a brilliant it mind. Just it just yeah. sucks. Yeah. Um uh, she was uh, the first black playwright and the youngest American at the time to win the New York Critics Circle Award. Oh, wow. For her play. I, I went super blurry. Yes, you did. On Zoom. Wait, there we go. <laughs> I needed to fix that immediately on an audio-only um, <laughs> format. Um, she was the youngest of four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, her parents, uh, fairly wealthy, um, huge contributors to the NAACP. Um, and, uh, when she was a child, they moved to a white neighborhood. Oh, okay. Uh, and the father, this is some background information for Raisin of the Sun. The father Sorry. was attacked. Um, <gasps> Holy shit. Was attacked in this white neighborhood. I guess I shouldn't um, be so shocked that, but, but also, holy shit. So, like, oh, that's awful. Even, even knowing, like, uh, even knowing, like, the play yeah. is... A fiction until you like hear these the you know the, yeah. the accounts, um, and they but they stayed in the neighborhood mm-hmm. until the courts actually for, forced them to move out. What? Uh, I I believe the court case is um, Hansberry versus Lee. Okay. Uh, it's fairly Damn. well documented. I didn't super look into the court case um, because it sounded so unpleasant. Ugh. Uh, but she. Uh, broke with tradition. She did not go to a uh, a black uh, Southern college. She instead went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, and she where, she dropped out. She dropped out, and then she moved to New York, and that's sort of where uh, she began proliferating as uh, an activist, advocate, um, and writer. Primarily, best known for her uh, playwright. She she was uh, she she was a journalist. Um, okay. But I, I don't think anyone really, it, if you know Lorraine Hansberry, it's usually like a raisin in the sun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the go-to. She's written a, a, a bunch of other really wonderful plays, uh, but a raisin in the sun tends to be the big one. Don't yeah, for sure. Um, uh, with that, I did a shit ton of reading on Lorraine Hansberry. Yeah. Because as it turns out, She's so fucking interesting. Yeah, she sounds fascinating. She, she's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I even went back to my old, uh, my old stomping ground biography.com. <gasps> Ooh, do they have um, a good page for her? They have I a hope. good page for her. Good. You can tell that for bi- for biography.com, you need at least one or two people who are really passionate about the person they're writing mm. the biography of. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lorraine Hansberry, you could tell, like it went through. There's a, a, pro- a group of people who are like, we need to talk about. Good. Hansberry. Um, so uh, I, I want to single out a couple sources if people want to do some some research of their own on uh, good old Lorraine. Um, there's this podcast called Making Gay History. Oh. Um, I did not know that Lorraine Hansberry was, in fact, a queer woman. I did not know that either. Um, she married, She was married to a man. Uh, for some for some time until they amicably but quietly separated. Okay. Um, and then she had uh, an affair or affair was lovers with. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember her name. Dor- Dorothy. Um, <laughs> Dorothy. 
I have it up, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go looking for it. Uh, a woman, 15 years her senior, and a fellow activist. Um, together, and there's this really really lovely episode, um, uh, making gay history, talking about uh, Hansberry, and also using a first account interview between Lorraine Hansberry and Studs Terkel. Oh wow! Um, but that was not itself the most interesting thing that I learned from this. They also have a link to this digital archive that is really fascinating called FBI's Digital Archive. So FB and then eyes like eyes that you see. Ah, oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, and the entire website is an archive of uh, the redacted files the FBI kept on uh, black authors in the mid 20th century. Oh my God! They have they have Bal- they have Baldwin they have Amiri Baraka, um, they they have Lorraine Hansberry and it just it just goes it just goes. Wow! So there is um, more than a thousand pages um, that they kept on Lorraine Hansberry because she, she was a writer and she was under constant scrutiny um, yeah. because it was the McCarthy era. Um, um, so she... not only was she a black woman, she might also be a communist. Her lover was Dorothy Secules. I don't know if I'm saying that right. S-E-C-U-L-E-S. Yeah. Um, I'm not familiar enough with yeah. uh, Secules. Uh, Seculus. Seculus. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with her, but um, that's we're constantly learning. Mm-hmm. So it's a gift for myself tomorrow that I can know more about. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so if you're ever just looking for some some fun primary research uh just a shit ton publicly accessible so crazy um because i would say a resident son not a pro-capitalist no no um i would say it's a communist work but no we we can't say a lot of people at this time and like even if you look a little red they they'll they bring you right say right they they say tell me you believe in the free market um insane (laughs) uh as it breaks down um but yeah so that's it i say check check it out fbi's digital yeah i'm looking at it right now Um, it looks amazing really really interesting um, really interesting stuff. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's like, the FBI, probably not your friends. Jesus, um, this is crazy. Uh, Especially yeah, as, you... a, as a librarian, I'm, like, fascinated by this, too. Oh, my God. The second the second I get my hands on a new archive, I'm like, look at all of the... Look at the past. Oh, my God. Anyway. Do you have anything on uh, Lorraine Hansberry? I, I think I told you that I didn't really... I, because I just read the script today while I was home with my my slightly under the weather baby, um, so I didn't get a chance to do any any research. Um, I slacked. I slacked, Professor. You're good. You're good. Um, You're good. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I um, I I want to read more about her. I, that's freaking awful that she died of pancreatic cancer at 35. That's so awful. But. Mm-hmm. There's um, no good time to die of pancreatic cancer. No, there really isn't. Um, but yeah. she was incredibly young. Incredibly young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so I got nothing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say that I like her. I mean, I really love her writing, but that's not research. That's just really? a prof- <laughs> That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> I, I don't have the facts, but I do have the vibes. <laughs> Vote Mason 2024. <laughs> 
get that on a t-shirt. I don't have the facts, but I do have the vibes. <laughs> so, uh, A Raisin in the Sun. Uh, synopsis. We are in a play with the younger family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a black family living in Chicago uh, in an apartment that's too small for them. Yeah. Uh, you have the family breaks down as such. You have the matriarch of the family, Mama, mm-hmm. um, getting a check for ten thousand dollars, which is yeah. more money than any of them have ever seen. Um, as the the life insurance came came good on the passing of her husband. Yeah. Um, Big Walter. She has uh, two children now grown. You have Walter Lee. Uh, the the quote unquote man of the household, despite the fact all the power, Mama has all the power. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. In the house and the younger sister, uh, Benny Benita, um, Benny who is twenty uh, years old, mm-hmm. uh, and she is uh, a scholar. Yes. She's trying to find herself. Yeah. She's trying to find love, her position in the world. She's just trying to understand what she wants. And it, and um, then we have Ruth, who is Walter Lee's. Wife. wife. Um, well, I would say probably the most grounded. Mm-hmm. The most grounded character yeah. in the whole thing. And I have a lot I have a lot to talk about with the character dynamics in this this play because I think they're just brilliant. Yeah. Um uh then there is Travis, which is the the son of Ruth and Walter Lee. Yeah. Um and so over the course they get this money, they're gonna talk about what they're gonna do with this money. Some's gotta go uh, to Benny for her school. Um, Walter wants it because he wants to open a liquor store, mm-hmm. uh, cha- change his lot in life. Um, and what ends up happening is Mama goes and buys a house in a white neighborhood. Yeah. Um, the plan is to get out of their apartment, have space for each other, mm-hmm. uh, and have a little garden. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful want. Yeah. It, I yeah. Feel, like, the want to have a garden, it feels like in our town... Um, yeah. Mrs. Gibbs want to, to just go to Paris. Right. Just a little trip. You yeah. Know, a little, a little dream. Yeah. Um, and what ends up happening is uh, Mr. Lidner, spoken of earlier, mm-hmm. comes in. He's a representative of Clyburn Park who is the epitome of, like, a white liberal. Yeah. Um, we're actually friends, but what makes us friends is the fact that colored people and white people do not live together. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's his... That's his vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're proud people. The the youngers are a proud family. Mm-hmm. They say we're gonna we're gonna do this anyway. Um, but what happens is Walter Lee takes the money, and sixty five hundred dollars goes to invest without the consent of anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, invest in uh, the liquor store. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this man Willie, we never meet Willie. No, I think in a, I think in a movie we meet Willie. Oh, um, I've never seen the movies of this. We, that I, I may be confusing Willie with Bobo. Oh, who's, right, right. He's around for a scene. Yeah. Bobo also went in. Um, and Willie Harris runs off with the money. Um, lo- loses all the money. Uh, and it's like, what the fuck are we going to do now? Yeah. Um, and so it, in the end, what ends up happening is they, they lose the money. They lose the money for Benny's schooling. Um, all is lost. Uh, they say, might as well tell the movers to go. Uh, but at the end of the play, despite the fact that they don't have the money that they thought that, that they would have, um, and despite the fact that they're moving into a neighborhood where they are not even subtly, overtly not wanted. They're being um, offered money to not live there. Yep. 
be, being offered money, substantial money. They never yeah. say the amount, but substantial money. Yeah. Uh, quote, unquote. I'm doing air quotes for the listener. <laughs> um, at the end of the play, they move anyway. Yeah. And and that's and there's a, a, a lot of other things like B- Benny Benny's love life. Yeah, and her with... her sort of journey in university and the things that she's studying and f- sort of coming into her own, all of that yep. stuff. And then Ruth Ruth is pregnant. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, as well with a with <laughs> with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> For those of you who are unfamiliar with pre- how pregnancy works. Um. <laughs> with a, surpri- a surprise baby we can a say that baby. right like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's christ <laughs> oh my god imagine oh my god <laughs> um is there anything that you would throw in that's my no that was a really good synopsis um yeah i'm trying to think if there's any like you hit all the broad strokes really well um there's, I feel like throughout the play, there's a lot of back and forth about what's going to happen with the money and what everybody's individual desires and wants are, but we can get into that as we talk about the characters. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm going to say um, to you is that I, I need to move spaces because um, my laptop is running out of battery. So I'm going to transition upstairs, listeners, if you're hearing things. Okay. Um, okay. We- well, I make a, I'll make a note here. Say we'll pause and then we'll come back. Okay, I'm really sorry. It'll just just be a note for Rosa. Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna. Um, I'm actually gonna have to unplug my headset too. So, mm-hmm. um, so feel free to you know just talk to your mom for a second, Jack. <laughs> It'll be in the note. I was like, well, I feel like I need to. I don't want to just leave it or scream. Even though I know some people say you should do that. <laughs> well, I'm going to mark a time. Cool. Let's do another audio mark. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. All right, welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back from technical difficulties. For you, it would have been a couple seconds. <laughs> for us, it was more. It was. Apologies. Uh, we're all we're all good though now. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. I don't. I don't. One hundred percent remember where I left off. So I believe I we had just done a synopsis. Of... We just did the synopsis. Yeah. So it sounds like we get to dive in. Yeah, let's dive in. Let's do um, it. have you read this one before? Yes, I have read it um, in college, and I have I saw it performed in college as well. Um, and oh, that cool. was yeah, that was the last time that I um, that I experienced it. So it's been it's been a minute, but um, seeing it performed live and like really well done, like a professional production was was awesome. Um, so yeah, I've, but I've never seen a film version of it, which you referenced earlier. So, um, yeah, I'm behind on that. Uh, how about you? Had you read this one before? I have read this before. I think, I think this might be ancient. I think it might be my sophomore year of high school. Wow. Okay. We, yeah. When we read this, because I'm th- nice. I think it's, it's easier for me to remember if we read something in high school, if we also watched the movie of okay. the in high school. Yep. 
So I have a I have a vague member. Oh, oh well. Um, I- <laughs> I'm sorry about the yawn. So rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have, a, I have a, a vivid memory of, of Joyce Gagnon's English class. Okay. It was tucked away. This was at Methuen High back when Methuen High didn't have walls. Um, oh, yes. You've talked about this. Uh, so to get to Joyce Gagnon's class, because I had, I had her for two years. I had her freshman year and, and sophomore year. We okay. had to go through a different classroom. Ah, uh, um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I remember just the, the classic, you know, those tall carts where they'd wheel out mm-hmm. a CRT television with the VCR either oh, yeah. built in or uh, checked out of the library. Well, um, built in, that's fancy. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Methuen. <laughs> Methuen High, come um, on. <laughs> um, and so it was not, this This was a reread for me, but I, I, I don't think... Uh, I've read it since high school. Okay, so it's also been um, a minute for you. Yeah, yeah, because like I took I took theater. Obviously, I took theater classes in, in my undergraduate. With the amount of theater we we go on about, yeah. um, <laughs> on, on we this, do. <laughs> um, but like my th- theater history classes, I don't think they ever. I, I don't really think they did the big names. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. They, I, I think like we did Arthur Miller, but we did All My Sons. It wasn't oh, like, Crucible. Yeah, yeah, interesting. It wasn't Death of a Salesman. Yeah, right? yeah. We we did. I think we did like Albie. Oh but God! It, it was, like, yeah. Zoo Story. I love Zoo not, Story. Not like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoo Story is fine. I like that. <laughs> maybe one. maybe we should do it. We should on, on, yeah. on here. Um. So, so so stuff like that. So it, it's been a minute. Um, I, I remember John Stamos' John Stamos's face. Um, so crazy. <laughs> okay, Ms. Linder. I can't even picture it. That's so um, weird. Yeah, it just feels like... If, like, <sighs> like, I don't know. I don't get it. But yeah, it was a, re- a reread for me. And it was welcome. Because I think I got my copy of it like when I left for college. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember my sister and I, we went to Savers. And I just got nice. a, like a bunch of small like mass market paperbacks of different books, like like uh, an ancient copy of The Awakening. Oh wow! Uh, was one of them, and I remember uh, this book, and okay. I was excited because this I don't usually buy secondhand mm-hmm. books, not not because I'm a snob. Um, <laughs> because I'm a you snob are. for other <laughs> I'm, I'm a snob for other reasons. Um, <laughs> But it was marked, my copy is marked up by a woman named Carolyn, who I have no idea. Um, Damn it, and, Carolyn. And, like, you could tell, like, you could tell, I, she's, like, trying to do dramaturgical work. Ah, interesting. In, okay. In it, but it's, like, very base level. So, like, Walter Lee would say something, you know, like, grand or self-absorbed yeah. and she she'd write in very big letters immature question mark oh my god that's so funny I, and go going through i was like yeah okay she's getting she, you know yeah, Carol, yeah carolyn's figuring some stuff out she is carolyn. she's working through it yeah yeah that's um, funny. carolyn if you're listening um <laughs> hi hi your copy's <laughs> in good hands uh but yeah this this was a reread for me and it was a welcome reread mm-hmm. um 
when I think of Rising of the Sun, I think of it's a good play. It like, is, yeah. What what else is there to say? It's a, it's a good play. But when I read it, I was like, oh, it's a good play for all of these reasons and the thoughts I have. Yeah, it's it's fantastic on so many levels. Yeah. Uh, so, um, let's uh, let let's um review. Yeah. Uh, Rising of the Sun by Lorraine Hansberry. What have you uh, What have you got? So, um, the things that stood out to me. So a lot of things stand out to me with this one. One of the big things is I actually really love the way um, Hansbury writes like stage direction. And I feel that's probably a stupid thing to start with, but I think she builds so much into the characters um, with the specificity of her stage directions, um, which is interesting because I like – Lots of times in plays, I'm like, eh, stage directions, I can take them or leave them. This one, I really read them, and I appreciate them in a different way. Um, because she, mm-hmm. like, even just the way she describes the home, the apartment that, that they're in, um, and the level of detail that she goes into it, it just, it colors the whole world. And then when she describes the characters and how they move, how they come into the room, um or just like I think it's um when she describes like their appearances, you know, she says like Ruth um is is young but she in five years is going to like look a lot older because she's getting beaten down by life. Like things like that. I just I feel mm-hmm. like that's so um it's really hard to write that well <laughs> and and Hansbury just nails it. Um, and I think it's I think it's essential to the script um, to read the stage directions, which to me, like again, that stands out to me because that's not that's not the kind of reader of plays that I am usually. It's it's a, it's actually I would say it's a really fair shout um, because uh, we're approaching this from um, a reader's perspective, yeah. not like a, a, a viewer or audience member's perspective, um, and the her stage directions does have this quality of prose yeah it does have this quality of beauty to it um that is almost it's like a gift to the theater yeah um and it it, it's up to the theater to see if they can translate that gift to an audience right um and i think for also from an actor's perspective it's a real gift Mm -hmm. um because who knows if if you can do like with that like the description of mama's hair yeah it's like snow white hair for all these reasons. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. She, uh, she does not speak like in a refined way, but mm-hmm. she still has a, a grace and commanding nature about her. Right. Um, and it's it's woven into the the DNA of the of the script. Yeah. Um, and you like usually, like usually, I I agree. Stage stage directions are just, um, the practical language. It's the she went to the door. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of prose, um, but you you seldom get get someone who seems to sort of savor mm-hmm. the act of of understanding how they want their characters to move through space. Like the only other playwright I can think of is, um, for at the moment, uh, Sarah Rule. Oh yeah. Uh, you know yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know Sarah Rule, uh, she's Clean the, House. Plays, like, the, yeah, the the Clean House, Dead Man's Cell Phone, which is a favorite yeah. of mine. Yeah. Um, Dear Elizabeth, she wrote Eurydice. Oh, so um, good. I love Eurydice. Uh, and she often, like, her approach to stage directions is more like writing poetry. 
Yeah, um, yeah. And there are never things that get spoken, but they're they're formatted in such a way that it's like, oh, okay, you, you, like the stage directions are part of the experience. Right, right. Um, and with uh, Lorraine Hansberry, very, very much the same. Of mm-hmm. Like, okay, um, you're gonna do a play, but I'm go and like, it's like I'm gonna approach this play almost as a novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and she packs so much in. And I love I love the fact that she packs so much into again it's like three days right like it it's like mm-hmm. how in what we were talking about the last episode our town the very first um, act is one day and this is um, again another three act play and um, it's really only actually I guess it's technically only two days right because it's I think the f- uh, it's over the course of uh, a couple weeks, actually. But but we don't like it jumps right. The the scenes itself, yeah, yeah, it is broken down. They broke break it down at the beginning. So Act One is a Friday morning. Yeah. The scene Act One scene one Friday morning. Act One scene two Saturday morning. Act Two later that same Saturday. Yeah. Scene two, act two, Friday night a few weeks later. Scene three. Oh, it is a few weeks. Week okay. Later. Okay. Uh, and then act three is an hour later from uh, the last, an act two. Yeah. Scene in act two. So uh, we we do get, we, it's still a lot in a little time. Yeah. Um, it's elegantly done. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, I like, I'll, I've said it all, I say it all the time, but like how the manipulation of time is one of the biggest um, obstacles to creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to linger on this cause I, I, for, for me, not, not you, I'm saying this for me. I find <laughs> for, for me talking about how, how time moves is actually a fairly superficial, um, uh, discussion point for me. Cause I actually don't feel like I, it, it impresses me, but I don't have anything um, right, salient right, right. That's fair. To, to, yeah. add, to add about that. But yeah. I think she, she does it so elegantly that like you, you're just kind of you're just with the characters, mm-hmm. and it's written in such a way that you understand that time is going past, and it gets staged in such a way yeah. that you understand that that time is passing, and um, and and it's el- it's elegant. There's yeah. an elegance. Uh, there's an elegance to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I also want to add just that the the richness of the characters is like it blows me away every time mm-hmm. I experience this play. Um, I um. I do feel like, for whatever reason, on this reading of it, Ruth really stood out to me. And you had Same. said earlier that, yeah, she is arguably the most grounded. And I I think the first times that I had experienced it, I had been so focused on Mama, um, mm-hmm. who is an amazing character. But, like, this time reading it, I was like, oh, wow, Ruth. Like, holy shit, she is going through so much. And she is... Oh, yeah keeping her head in a way that just impresses me so much, you know, it's like, like she has an unexpected pregnancy, her, she's moving houses. She is dealing with a marriage that that there's no communication. Like, you know, she's feeling completely alone in this relationship and then her husband loses all of the family money. Like, it's just like, bra. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And she she is never I don't want to say she never I guess she never breaks down. Like she definitely has moments where she is um struggling and you see that, but she's always She's always present. She doesn't... Um... She, she doesn't have the liberty of a breakdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. W- w- one of the things, building off of that, that I think is really fascinating about Ruth is that she's the only character of the main family who's not blood. Mm, um, that's true. Like, you have, you have Mama, who married Big Walter, and they had these two kids, these two dreamers. Yeah. I really want to talk about dreams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in this book, the, these two dreamers, Be- Benny, Walter Lee, um, and then it's their son, uh, Travis, and mm-hmm. Travis's blood via via Walter. So Mama to Walter and Benny to, to Travis, uh, and and Ruth Ruth is in there, yeah. Um, and in a way, R- Ruth is the one who's keeping the entire younger family together. Yeah. Um, she's like someone. So someone has. Someone has to be present. Yeah. There's this. There's this Nate Bargatze bit. Nate Bargatze is a stand-up comedian who I re- I really love. I may have even talked about him. I was gonna say you sure talk, talk about. about yeah, him. you talk about him a lot. Um, it's good. Um, uh, where he has this bit. I think actually, I think it's probably it's in my least favorite special of his. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but it stuck with me. Where he's like, in every relationship, you gotta have someone who's a dreamer, and someone who's just no fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh my God, that's so funny. Your dreamer's gonna get you get you out there, and they're gonna have all these ideas of things to do. And the person who's no fun, well, the person who's no fun's just gonna keep you alive. Um, <laughs> yes. And yeah. it's it's all it's not fair to say that Ruth is no fun. No. Um, but you do see, like, like at the end of the play, she does have these moments of pure joy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. excitement. And it's so, like, bombastic. Mm-hmm. It's so explosive that it, it at that point it almost feels out of character. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's not out of character. It's just that we don't get to see this character in these circumstances yeah. because she's doing so much work to keep this other family, that's her family, yeah, um, alive. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. Um, and and she does it. She does so much of it um, quietly and um, in sort of a solitary way as well. Like even with, um, of course, what comes to mind is like with the the unexpected pregnancy, um, she goes to the doctor, but she also goes to see a woman about maybe terminating the pregnancy because she's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if my family can handle this right now. And like the fact that she does that in a time when it's illegal and probably incredibly unsafe because it's illegal. Um, that is, I mean, that's huge. That's so fucking scary on so many levels and like just, and so, you know, emotionally, um, uh, fraught, you know, to, to make that kind of decision. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, Ruth, man, like she really stood up to me on this read. <laughs> um, not to say that the others aren't aren't like amazing. Like I've always loved Benny, um, because I love Benny. Benny, re- Benny really stuck <sighs> up to me. She just read. like, like, I I read her and I'm like, oh my god, I like, 
I so well remember this way of of feeling and looking at the world. Like, like, like she, the, Benny, if we stick with Benny for a second. Yeah, yeah. She's so vivacious. Yes. She's, she's so young. Yeah. And full of life and full of promise. And um, passion. Just absolute passion, passion for everything. Like, like, like to the point, oh, we could boil this down to be a play about money. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's fair to do that, but I think there's definitely like the, the economic perspective that you could take on this because every page it's where's this money how much does this thing right. cost um right. and one of the things that comes into play with benny's character is she's got these two suitors yeah um she's got asagai um the the nigerian uh the passionate uh, and student nigerian yeah. student man uh and george murchison who's this vapid shallow but very very wealthy yeah uh man and uh and, like, all these other characters are like, what do you mean you're not going to go with the guy who's got all of the money? Exactly, yeah, He's yeah. got money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and she, like, she's resolute. She's proudly yeah. resolute in being like, he, he he doesn't care about black people. Right, right. Like, he, he, he doesn't care about us. He doesn't care about things. Yeah. Like, the things that matter. And then there, there's this other guy who's like, come marry me. Yeah. And literally live your dream. Yeah. I like, know. Like, people to this day are looking for a guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Uh, listen, I want to sweep, I, I would love to sweep you off your feet, but <laughs> I know you want to be a doctor. So, come, like, so I will come marry you and, and you will be yeah. a strong, smart, brilliant woman yeah. who is who is self-actualizing. Right. Um, and it's such a victory considering how uh, gender dynamic plays in this in this piece mm-hmm. um because we there's travis but we don't really get much of travis he's the the youngest younger yeah um yeah uh but and when it comes to male figures we have walter yeah um and uh, w- walter is uh, the worst he's the worst oh he's so i mean <laughs> it's oh, not walter. fair i know like, i he, just you I, you feel for him, but also you're like, oh my god, man, come on! <laughs> like, <laughs> like he has all he has all, all this talk of like, would you begrudge a man? Yeah. Oh, a man in his own house, um, it, but he's not he's not a patriarch. No. Um, he's not a patriarch, but he's like trying to be. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't work. It never works at any any point. Uh. Because, like, Mama's in charge. Yeah, yeah. Mama's in charge. He can't do any, anything. And, and, and he's, like, too beaten down by the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the point where he makes he makes a poorly thought out decision. Yeah. Um, and I believe he even uses the phrase, like, a man can't have a, his own dream anymore. Yeah. Or something along those lines where it's even, like, I'm like, okay, let's, let's <laughs> pause. <laughs> Let's pause, regroup, um, and it comes back to like the the youngers are dreamers. Yeah, um, and this is language that that is from the from the epigraph. So we have mm-hmm. um, the the play begins or the 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 book begins with a Langston Hughes poem. Yeah, um, the I, I I think it's the most famous Langston Hughes poem. I was it, it's so funny because at at the um, as I was beginning reading it and I was like oh god I need to read Langston Hughes again because I 
Yeah. Anyway, yes. The the dream deferred, right? Yes. What happens to... Um... What happens to... I have it pulled up, too. Hang on, let me see if I can... Yeah. Where the heck... Here is it. Here, here, hang on. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm going to find it, too. I'm going to find it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's so beautiful, though. Read it. It's short. What happens... Okay, Langston Hughes. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Roll credits. Um... <laughs> what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun, or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat, or crust and sugar over like a syrup, like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load, or does it explode? Um, it doesn't end with um. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, how funny! If, if Layson Hughes was like, I too sing Scottsboro. Um, uh. Jack, you're a poet. Write a poem that ends with um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, my, uh, my good friend and poet, uh, Kevin Bertolero, he has this poem. It's really short. Uh, and it, it goes something along the lines of, Okay, I'm done having my feelings hurt, I think. Oh. And, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's such a simple poem. Yeah. But it's like, okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you see, there's a behavior. <laughs> um, so the Yuggers are dreamers. They are, yeah. Um, and uh, the, la- the language we even... Raisin in the Sun comes from this poem. The, the poem comes about... Uh, dreams, if people aren't able to realize those dreams, what happens? Do, did those people explode? Um, and we we have Mama, whose dreams, you could tell, have just shrunken. Mm-hmm. Shrunken to something that, that's like a yard with a garden, yeah. enough space to garden. Um, but then you have the, the younger dealers, uh, mm-hmm. Benny and uh, Walter, who aren't there yet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Be- Benny has all these grand designs. She's going to find herself. She's going to go to school. She's going to be a doctor. Um, she's going to be a civil rights activist, too. Like, she's going to do all of the she's things. all yeah. in there. They yeah. talk, assimilationism is huge. Yep. Um, oh, and I- I'd love to, to put uh, Carolyn, who had this book before I did on Blast. <laughs> um, what did Carolyn have to say about that? She said, uh, I'm not judging. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's always a good way to start. <laughs> I'm not judging. Um, someone calls one of the suitors calls uh, Benny. You're an assimilationist, and just in huge letters, uh, Carolyn wrote, "What is that?" Um, okay. And, and it's very <laughs> yeah, right here. What's that? <laughs> it's the only thing underlined on the entire page. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and, and then later they explain what assimilationist uh, is. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I really wanted, I really Did she wanted, underline it? As... She underlined it, but I didn't, she didn't say like. C page, whatever. <laughs> she didn't say like, oh, right, I get it now. <laughs> like, I really, I wanted closure on yeah, this. I'm yeah. like, did you learn? 
<laughs> I mean, I'm assuming since she underlined it, she she learns. But I guess I shouldn't assume. That's funny. Uh, uh, another another gem here is uh, when when they're chanting. Uh, oh yeah. In this that's like an act. It's what a wonderful scene. Oh my gosh, um, I know. Yeah. They got a whim away. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the Lion King, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> she she underlines these words and she just writes vocab. <laughs> next to them and I think there's something really beautiful about that Be- Betty screams a whim away and she underlines it and she just puts a, a question mark after it oh wow vocab that's really funny yeah just really like it's I really feel like the powerful woman yeah yeah yeah, yeah thank you Carolyn. thanks Carolyn it's wonderful <laughs> um so they're dreamers they're dreamers <laughs> Um, <laughs> they're dreamers and we're like the whole play is the cusp of a family trying to realize at least one dream right um, and what I love about this is the way it situates itself in uh, American lexicon mm-hmm. um, because American literature loves the word dream oh yes um we, like, the American dream. The American dream. Yep. And I think it's so spectacular because it, it's a play that still is about the American dream, but is much more honest about the inaccessibility of yep. it. Um, yep. In ways that so much of the literature of the time isn't that nuanced. Yeah. It's it's either the American dream is real and I've pu- pulled myself up by my bootstraps, mm-hmm. or the American dream is a paradoxical lie, right. and uh, Jay Gatsby dies in a pool <laughs> like that. Like that's <laughs> like like that's that's the breakdown we have, right? Yeah, on, yeah. On these these two things, it's like the. Uh, like a, a spectrum and on one end of the spectrum is Jay Gatsby and the other end of the spectrum is the Wizard of Oz. Right, right. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, it's, uh, oh shoot, what was I going to say about, oh, this is one of the first um, ways in which I learned about like redlining and um, like how in mm, yeah. real, real estate in, in the United States, like, segregation was essentially built in and promoted um, mm-hmm. because this was like, I remember the first time sort of reading something that was like, Oh, the, the houses in the, the black neighborhoods are in shambles and they cost twice as much, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the, this, um, I, I don't know, this, uh, uh, cultural fucked up nature of the United States and how the, you know, systemic racism in the United States and how it affects really every aspect of these people's lives. You know, yeah, it's, it's just, it's built into our geography. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, it, it's like, that's like slavery is the reason Oklahoma has a panhandle. Yeah. Um, like there, there's no other, yeah, there's no other reason. Um, there we go. Okay, we're back. Okay. <laughs> quick little, quick little pause there. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and, and so, like, this is, I, th- I think, such an impressive play. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah. And it's so it because of its humanity, because 
because it's doing all these different things. And one of the things that uh, comes up is uh, they discuss it in the episode of the podcast I mentioned earlier, um, particularly not the not the host of the podcast uh, himself, uh, their self, um, but the a conversation between Stud Sturkle and Lorraine's Lorraine Hansberry, Lorraine's Hansberry, um, <laughs> uh, Lorraine Hansberry, uh, where they're sort of denigrating the concept of like a message play, mm. um, or message literature. Okay. Where what might be a great piece of literature is ruined by the artist's clear agenda ah, behind yes. it, yes. which I don't, I don't necessarily think is true. Um, because like there there's like obvious messaging in a lot of still powerful uh yeah pow- powerful art like the candy exhibit about the you know the <laughs> yeah it's fine ah, no, another day yeah another day yeah um so n- not to denigrate like clear messages but I, like i i feel like i agree with the sentiment of that mm-hmm. where when a piece of work comes in and says um this is bad. Right. This other thing is good. Right. I think it tends to take away a lot of like the the beauty that comes with nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, and but so, sometimes I'm like it's necessary. Like like in the Barbie movie. Yes. They throw the word patriarchy around. Yeah. Um, with clear intention. Yeah. Right. Right. To the point where if if it was any subtler than that, a lot of the the core takeaways of the movie would be lost on a. a a significant portion of the viewership. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen it done like the other way where you have like, like I think of uh, like the old VHS tapes they used to play for us at CCD. Oh God. Um, yes. Where it's like the story of this kid who ran away. Yeah. But he, but he didn't get far because he turned around <laughs> and God, and God was there. Made him realize his love. Right. So he went back home to his parents. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, if I was that kid, <laughs> I, I, I'd get to the end of the street and think, I don't know how to buy a bus ticket. <laughs> right. And then I'd go back home. I'm gonna go home. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's like these these clear uh, these these clear message messagey works that yeah because they're they're so obvious they kind of take away like no one's no one's going back like oh you haven't seen vhs tape ccd number 12 <laughs> oh man it's when it's when like god the kid realizes that god ma- made him love his parents <laughs> so he went home and it's in. It doesn't address the fact that he saw the need to run away in the first place. <laughs> it's it's just a beautiful story, right? It's just a beautiful yeah. story. Those parents definitely aren't verbally abusive. There's <laughs> um, some other reason for a child to run away. Um. Yeah. What? And one of the things I think that stands out about this not being a good versus bad themes play um, is that the the characters are so real yes um and i one of the things that i love is that you get to see 
the playfulness between them. Like you see arguments, you see difficult moments, but then there's also like the, the moment that you talked about the, where they're chanting and dancing. Um, mm-hmm. that is such a like playful, joyful moment. Um, there's when, so much love. Yeah. And when, when Ruth is sending Travis off to school, like their whole little back and forth of like, oh, you know, you don't even want to give me a kiss goodbye. And then, you know, him acting shy and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is so incredibly cute and warm and real. And like, this is, it's, you use this phrase a lot, a slice of life, right? Like it's, it's just Mm -hmm. like, this is a real family having real struggles. And like, it's not, it's not just like, all struggle it's not all joy it's it's a it's that combination that is life like it's it's really well Mm -hmm. done i i think like i find that is one of the things that gives something lasting power yeah it's not necessarily like the fate of the world is in jeopardy stories right right i think the thing that gives something lasting power is uh like in our town you start the morning by gossiping with your neighbor yeah um here it's uh poking fun at your siblings yeah yeah um and that is something that persists Mm -hmm. um and i i hate i hate the phrase universal i know Um, we've talked about that um i i i think it's really arrogant of a phrase (laughs) yeah um, and it's also another critique I have with Shakespeare, mm. um, where so many Shakespearean scholars are just like, his works are just so universal. And I'm like, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> sh- sure. Um, it definitely has themes. There's got to be a better word, right? Um, yeah. Like, I, I yeah. would say, like, I, I wouldn't say universal i would say a lasting relatability yeah yeah relatable um because like we still have uh, cl- the classics we yeah. still have you know uh the frogs by aristophanes <laughs> and lysistrata um sophocles and eugene o'neill um, <laughs> um god <laughs> and like like uh, uh, under this argumentation they are as quote-unquote universal as shakespeare they mm-hmm. Like, we still have, and, you know, like, we have Moliere and Marlowe, and, mm-hmm. um, we, like, at this point, I, I don't think it's fair to say, like, th- things last because they're universal, um, I think things last because they're, the smallness is relatable. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, tr- truth and smallness, I guess. I, I like that. I, as opposed well, to grandiosity of like yeah because yeah, yeah. we, we live in the age of superhero movies and <laughs> i've i like i i like superheroes i know um and it's <laughs> probably our biggest difference <laughs> no, I, do, I do not dislike superheroes that that is don't you dare yeah. say that oh yeah well well when i like something i usually open up with i don't dislike it <laughs> um <laughs> sunday morning i don't dislike waffles <laughs> And I certainly don't dislike maple syrup on my waffles. <laughs> okay. The server at the diner would be, are you fucking high right now? Superheroes are fine. <laughs> I just don't need to Oh, yeah, that's the same thing. Waffles are fine. Would you like the waffles? <laughs> well, they're fine. 
<laughs> okay, you want anything on it? I think maple syrup's fine also. I'm, I'm yanking your chain. <laughs> um, what I'm so sorry. About? What were you going to say? I don't even know. <laughs> That's so uncool of me. How dare you? <laughs> Do you yeah, no. I'll, I'll cop to this one. No, it's all but, good. I, I can't remember what. I, so grandiosity. Grandiosity. Um, we're done with it. <laughs> I, I think part of the... Uh, Part of what makes the superhero genre stale, um, yes. and for me, the action, um, the action adventure genre. Yeah, I think I've complained about it on the podcast. Oh, Indiana I'll say, Jones, I'll, right? I'll say it again. Yeah, I've definitely complained about it to you. Yeah, um, I, you know all of my complaints <laughs> these days. <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, it's like I can't stand I can't stand fight scenes in Indiana Jones because they don't do anything. Right. Right. They don't do anything. They just, uh, like, hey, do you want to see this man doing something cool again? <laughs> um, I'm like, no. <laughs> I got it the last time. But look, he can shove this person off of a oh car. Oh, my God, he jumped from one truck to another truck? <laughs> he did that in the last movie. <laughs> uh, so I just, I don't fucking care. Because there's, uh, it's not interesting. What's good about a raisin in the sun? <laughs> is that there it's, are no car chases. There are no car chases. I'm I'm am a slut for domesticity. Like the the brilliance of having like a like a cheeky conversation between a mother and son getting ready for totally. school. Totally, it's so cute. I know. It's so cute. It's, it's so, so human. Good. Yeah. And it shows us so much about the beauty of life. Yeah, yeah. In a superhero movie, you know it's about the beauty of life because it's the speech the hero gives to the villain <laughs> at the climax, right before he punches the other guy into the afterlife. Yeah. And there's the stage manager saying, Emily. <laughs> You can't, you can go back to your life, but you got to pick a day that's not going to be beautiful. <laughs> Joke's on you. They all are. <laughs> Spider-Man's there like, oh, Mr. Stark. Hey, Spider-Verse. I fucking love those movies. Yeah, those are good. Those, those are, good, are good. They're very good. Those are good. See, I like superheroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh Oh man, yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's what I meant. Uh, <laughs> we should do. I gotta check my notes. Man. Yeah, I don't know. I was gonna um, say that we should do a podcast where we talk about movies too, but then all we would do is podcasts together. <laughs> um, okay. Um. All right. Uh, I talked about Walter Lee's immaturity. That sort of serves as like the the emotional climax. I so Walter Lee, he's God. So, in reading this, I I was remembering the man who played him in the the stage version that I saw, and he was really amazing. Like the scene where. Um, Oh, I was going to say the scene where Walter Lee breaks down, but that happens like three times, at least. Um, Which uh, I love. 
Yeah, yeah. No. I, I love like like we get like one one grown ass man in this play, despite the other you know male characters. Yeah. Um, and it it works against the classic like the man needs to be this stoic pillar. Right. No, um, he is and- so Walter Lee. He is incredibly emotional. Like. Yeah. And that I mean, that does that does stand out to be sure. Like. Um, he, but yeah, I remember, like, I, I was reading it and I was remembering this man, like, throwing himself on the ground and, like, sobbing. And I was just, like, sitting there in the audience, like, oh my god. Like, like, it, it's so intense. <laughs> Theater is good. It's, I was just so, and, and, like, again, like, reading it, I'm, I'm picturing it as I'm reading it, which, again, is just a testament to Hansbury's amazing writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, Walter, like, he is frustrating. Um, that's, I think that's the perfect word. Because he's not a bad guy. Like, he is just working against a system that is rigged against him, right? Mm-hmm. Or w- working within a system that's rig- rigged against him. And, I, I agree he's not a bad guy. And he is, you know... Like you said, like like we were talking about, he is a dreamer, and that's like he. It's just you get your dreams shot down so many times, <laughs> and and you know, and you fall apart every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I, and so I take issue with not not any anything with like the way it's written. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very intentional and it frustrates me simply because of who I am. Mm. Um, but one of the, the things that frustrates me about his character mm-hmm. is, uh, the entitlement. Yeah. Um, and I think that's class. I think it needs to be there. Yeah. It needs to be there. It needs to like, it. it's an impetus. It, it moves the plot forward this, right. and it moves the character forward, the sense right. of entitlement that he's owed anything. Um, and when you put him up against any of the other, uh, any of the women, yeah. you see like, like Mama and Ruth, they, t- they take things as they come. Right. The, uh, and Wal- Walter being part dreamer, like he's, he's a dreamer and he's also a man. Um, yeah. And, he, and he's dealing with these two things in tandem in a way that, I think makes for a good play, but an angry Jack. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair. Um, with that, um, Marty, would you believe it? It's time for rabbits. Oh my god! I guess that yes, it is. Wow, mm-hmm. I'm glad you were keeping track because <laughs> I clearly was not. Yeah. Um, uh, cool. Do you have any final thoughts before we go into it? Uh, no. Let's just go into it. All right. Rabbits. Uh, I hate rabbits. If there's anything I hate more than a rabbit, it's two rabbits. Hello and welcome to Rabbits. Uh, (laughs) This is the segment at the end of the show where we rate the book on a scale of none to five rabbits. You're allowed to give something a decimal, but just don't think too much about what it means to give something half of a rabbit. So, Marty... Lorraine Hansberry's A Raisin in the Sun. How many rabbits are you going to give this one? Full five. 
full five. Yeah, full five. I love this play. I I was interested to reread it and see like, oh, are there things that like are gonna stand out to me? It's like, oh, I don't I don't really like jive with this, or I'm like, but no, it's it's brilliant. It's really beautiful. Um, mm. it's uh, like you said, like incredibly relatable. Um, and I say that reading it as a white woman in the 2020s, like, but I, I can read this play and like, say, like, I don't know. You can never feel what somebody else is feeling, but you can relate to the feelings. Right. And you can, and you can see, um, these people's lives played out and, and say like, you know, oh my God. Yeah. Like I, you know, I know what that's, what that's like to have these conversations with a spouse or to, to play with your kid in this way or to feel like you, yeah, like your dreams are like, like, oh, right. I had dreams once, you know, it's like, like we, we all have that feeling. Right. And, um, or maybe some people don't, I don't know, <laughs> but, but Hansberry, like, I really think she just uh, she nailed it with this one. It's a it's a beautiful, really yeah. beautiful play. So yeah, I would say but... anything written with a good sense of humanity, yeah, is going to have people throughout the ages being like, yes, yeah, this. yeah, totally. So yeah, five. That's that's mine. How about you? How many rabbits? Four and a half. Okay. I'm gonna give it four and a half. Um, at this point, it's almost like vibes alone. Ah, okay. Um, well, because, like, I, I enjoy this play, and I think it's a very important play. And if I was to teach a class on theater history, you know 100% this is on the syllabus. Oh, hell yeah. Um, at the same time, it's not something that I would seek out. Mm. Um, I very much, like, I there are plays that I will be like, yeah, maybe I'll read that one for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, this is not a play that I would read for fun. This is... Uh, a play I would read because I need to connect with my humanity. <laughs> yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah, it's funny because I gave I gave this one five and um, Ernest five, and I give them five for very different reasons. Yeah, and I yeah. I think that I, I I like this play much more than I like the importance of being Ernest, but I like I'm holding them to different scales, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because we only have the one scale that we rate things on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, that's okay your rabbits can look different on different days which is crazy because i love the importance of being earnest i think it's a fantastic play yeah Uh, we should one of these days we should do a play and just hate Ooh. i think i I know who it would be i'd have to go through who would it be let's do some let's do some mammoth (laughs) oh (laughs) i fucking hate david mammoth (laughs) glenn gary glenn ross would be good for this uh, I was just <laughs> thinking. I was just thinking about that play the other day, and I almost texted you about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fuck cars, yeah. coffee. Fuck yeah. you, David Mamet. Oh my god. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, no. I I think this is this is one of those that I'm like always really glad when I see it on required reading. Cause I think it's, I think it's a really great play that everybody should read or see yeah. or experience in some way. So yeah, that's it. Fantastic. 
then uh, with that, we have been the Summer Reading Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Our music is by Nathan Morrissey. He's a good lad. You can find him on Instagram at Nathan Mor- Nathan.Morrissey77. Um, it's the first time I ever stumbled on, on the Instagram handle. Wow. For, um, wow, Jack. 53 of these. Damn. <laughs> um, I... Uh, I mean, Nathan, if you're listening, you should be really insulted right now. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> don't, don't. Nathan's mom? <laughs> be... <laughs> um, we're good. We're cool. It's all good. <laughs> uh, our editor is my brilliant, amazing, wonderful, lovely, brilliant mother, Rosa Maria. You can find her on Etsy and on Instagram at Crochetwell. All one word. You can also find her on her website, crochetwell.com. I have been your professor. My name is Jack. You can find me on Instagram at jackfromtv, and you can find my projects and what I've been up to on my website, jackfromtv.com. And I have been your librarian. My name is Marty, and you can find me on Instagram at marty underscore the K, and it's all one word, uh, marty underscore T-H-E-K. Um, yeah. And you should email us. Uh, we have an email address. It's, it's summer. Re- <laughs> You're doing so good, Marty. I'm doing great. I know. I'm it's so almost ta- bedtime. Oh my god, I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> our email address is summerreadingpodcast at gmail Please send us some note, um, book recommendations, um, words of kindness, um, words of correction if we get something wrong (laughs) but kindly correcting yeah peppered Um, in with the kindness (laughs) yeah please we'd love to hear from you uh please join us next time where we finish our unit on theater it's been very quick theater Um, theater uh uh, with none other than the crucible by arthur miller oh yeah excited we will hear you then see you then Goodbye. Bye.